This is the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our mission is to connect people to the outdoors, to each other, and to themselves. I'm your host, Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. And I'm Ben Brandell, your fellow adventurer and outdoor expert. We're here to tell stories, share our experiences, and be your friends as we seek to deepen our relationship with God the Creator. Every episode, we'll share stories and practical tips to enhance your outdoor experiences, whether it's hiking, hunting, fishing, or simply finding a quiet spot to listen to God. We've got you covered. So whether you're a seasoned outdoorsman or just getting started, the Men to Be Outdoors podcast is here to help you be more confident and confident. Subscribe now and let's make every outdoor moment count. Welcome back to another week of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Old Red, and I guess Ben is going to be here with us today as well. Today's episode is going to be kind of a fun one. We're going to kind of just take a relaxed approach. Uh, We really want to talk about bass fishing, so we're going to talk about bass fishing, dadgummit. We are. Uh, Some big tournaments went down uh, last weekend, and we want to talk about the results. Uh, Honestly, history was made. And so I feel like it's a great time to kind of pause and just have a a fun podcast talking about some history made in the fishing world. Uh, Before we get into all that fun, let's give thanks. I'm thankful for being able to physically get up and and be active. Um, There are times that uh, sometimes we wake up or not wanting to wake up. And so the days that we're able to to get up and move and be active, I'm thankful for. Yeah, you uh, can take your health for granted, physical yeah, health, mental right. health. You can take that for granted really easy, but the moment it's gone, whew, life sure gets really tough, and, and you almost would do anything to get that health back, even if it's just the flu or something. It's just like, oh, my gosh, can't get this over. And obviously some things are much worse than that. Some things are terminal. So, uh, yeah, it, it is, it's great to be healthy. I agree with you on that. What I am thankful for today is that God gave me two awesome sons. I love them, and they are incredible boys. Um, they're both in preschool. One just started preschool this week. But just to watch them uh, every, almost every week, every day, just to be amazed by them. Uh, God is incredible. Who he created, really just the human in general, is an incredible creation. But watching people you love and seeing um, the beautiful things that God put in them, God gave me some amazing sons, and I'm very, very thankful to be their dad. That's awesome. Um, hopefully they grow up to be fishermen. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably hate it. <laughs> probably hate you it. You know what? The, just more money for me to spend on fishing tackle, right? That's right. No, I don't think they're going to hate it. No. Uh, my oldest is already, he, he loves to fish. And my youngest, if I can get him to quit using the fishing pole like a baseball bat, I think he might be all right too. I'm actually glad you said that because I think there is a, a, a flux in, there will probably be a time where they're into sports. And I remember... Growing up, when I got into sports, you really didn't have time to do the hunting and the fishing and the outdoorsman style yeah, of life. And and uh, once you get away from that, like if, if you're not good enough like myself to go on and play after high school, um, it does open the door up to get back into the outdoors um, well, you talk, activity. You talk about physical health. You yeah. can fish till you're... I mean, there's guys in their 70s fishing professionally for a living, and you can't play baseball or basketball in your 70s. So that is a unique thing about fishing that is actually a special thing about bass fishing. Um, You know, spring is just so close, and I'm jonesing. You caught your first bass of the year yesterday. Yeah, Brian and I went out yesterday to the pond. And you just took me to the catfish hole. All I got was catfish. (laughs) Brian caught a cat. I caught a little bass. Um, You know, while we were at the pond, though, uh, I ended up putting my hand in the water, 
and that water was not very cold. We've, we're in February. I was thinking it was going to be cold enough that it kind of hurt, you well, know? It, it was cold, but not February cold. Yeah, correct. Correct. Right. That's what I mean. Yep. Yeah. And you weren't jumping in. No, well, <laughs> no, no, well, I would have for a big bass. Yeah. Um, but we saw insects already out, uh, turtles, mm-hmm. uh, I think they're red-eared sliders, I'm guessing, is what they were. I didn't get a, a good look at them. But you have a lot of that spring. Uh, the birds were going uh, We saw killdeer yep. um, already out running around on the bank. everywhere. And that got me excited. Just that, It was just not even catching a fish yet, but just seeing all that got me excited. Say, whatever. Catching spring, the bass is what got you excited. No, it's because spring <laughs> is almost here so I can go catch. You know there's more bass More bass, that's right. And the that's big right. bass. But... And, and you'll see this time of year, these main, these big turn, professional tournament trails, they go south. So we've had a couple tournaments. Uh, they were at Logan Martin, which is Alabama, I believe, uh, Okeechobee, which is in Florida. And then the other one, um, they fished at Toledo Bend, which is like Texas, Louisiana. So they, they've gone south, and, and what happens is the pre-spawn stage of, of the bass We'll call it the migration because it is. They're coming up from their their winter haunts up to their the spring shallow mm-hmm. for the spawn. Those bass are already in. They're moving in. I mean, they're fishing yeah. these pre-spawn. Well, spots. because the spawn, we're not there yet. Right, but the sp- we're a month away. Right, we are close. The spawn is a time for uh, the males, the male bass, to come up and make beds, and then after that, the the females come in um, to lay the egg on the bed, and and then they they do their dance, and then at some point. Uh, at the end of that, then you have the female coming back off, and a lot of times the the male, a male or something, may stick around. Uh, it's, I feel like the tournaments Brian and I would fish, we would always find these beds with with bucks on them or the males on them, and then by the time we got to go back again and fish, <laughs> the females were already gone, and it was like the little yeah, little they're not, studs they're not were there. Still- they're not there very long. People kind of yeah. get this connotation that they're going to be there a week, two weeks. No, they're they're in for a day or two, and, and, and they're, they're gone. Yeah. Um, but it is just it is a really fun time of year, and it's coming. And these guys that fish professionally in, in these professional circuits, they're chasing that for production value, and it, it's a lot better tournament when it there's is. fish at, in pre-spawn and, and spawn modes because uh, catching fish is the business, and so you want to be able to catch them, so they are chasing that. Uh, the first tournament that I really want to talk about, then, um, you know, you and I kind of we've been talking about this over the last few days, and this was really the history-making one, and one of the one of my favorite anglers. You know, if I if I had to have a top five, I'd put this guy in it, and one of the reasons for that is because of his faith in Christ, and he he gives Christ credit. Um, I think in the video we watched, he said he was saved in, in 2000 and that it absolutely changed his life. It made him a better husband, a better father, a better fisherman, a better son, a better friend. And, and that is what a relationship with Christ does because Christ was the perfect in each of those aspects. And when we begin our relationship with him, we become more like him every single day, every single week, every single year. So we do get better at all those relational aspects of our life. So I love that he gives credit for that. Um, you can look and watch, and it's not he doesn't win every tournament because he follows Christ. He does really bad. He's yeah. honestly had some really tough years recently. But to watch him go out and win this tournament and give glory to God, the first words out of his mouth was really cool, and that's one of the reasons I really respect Scott Martin. Yeah, and he was so genuine and, and tearful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was real. Um not mainly, but he did win, so that feels feels really really good when you're going in when you're in a slump. I mean, when you're in a slump, slump, when you come back out of that, um, you could easily say that it was you. Yeah, I did this right, but he didn't. He he gave the credit 
to his creator and was so thankful, full of gratitude. Yeah, he was he was emotional. Uh, the slump that he's in, I mean, he's he's an outstanding fisherman, and he he's still up in the top yeah. half of the angler year. But each year when you fish Bassmaster Circuit, like your goal is to reach the Bassmaster Classic. You want to qualify for the biggest, best fishing tournament in the world, and you want to go win that. Now, Scott, for years and years and years, fished the FLW Tour and did very, very good. His dad, Roland Martin, is a legendary fisherman. Scott is, uh, gosh, he's probably around, I don't know how old he is. I'm going to say around 50. He has grown kids. He has kids in his 20s down to like a a senior in high school. So he's probably in his mid-50s. Very successful. But he, when the FLW tour got bought by Major League Fishing, he chose to leave. And he had to fish these Bassmaster Opens to qualify for the Bassmaster Elite Series, which is like the top tier. And he did that. He qualified for the Elite Series and is in. And his goal his dad is an absolute legend. I mean, he's won so many so many tournaments, but something he never, ever did was win the Bassmaster Classic. He never notched that in his belt. So Scott Martin has set out to say, you know what, I'm going to do that for my dad. He's got a huge YouTube channel, Scott does, and that's really like the series is all about winning this Bassmaster Classic. Well, last year he had such a tough year, he was the last person out of the classic so he won't fish the classic this year and he was the last person out so it's a long year and he dismissed it by like a few ounces or pounds or something very close when you win an open like he did to start this year you automatically qualify for the classic so that's part of why this was so emotional for him was he knows he now has an opportunity at the goal that he set out to achieve i was thinking about the father and son relationship there and Mm. You can you can see that in well almost any business, uh, all the way from all your sports. You know, a lot of the the men that are successful today, they're not in the they're walking similar footsteps. I mean, they're they're kind of along the same path. But I, I do believe that their fathers had a huge reason for them to be there. Absolutely. <clears throat> and so I want to give some encouragement to maybe someone listening. Um, you know, maybe your father didn't create that trail for you uh didn't bl- wasn't the first one to blaze that trail um well if you're a father that has kids uh, you can be and you it may be so tough for you um but hopefully that creates that trail for your kids because you do see that success today um well i mean trump yeah. trump and his kids uh, yeah. biden and his kids i mean you just see that uh the fathers are such a huge impact and you can see it with uh with even scott Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk some of the details of the tournament. Well, this was at what's called a Bassmaster Open, which the yeah, Bassmaster that to us. What yeah, does that the mean? Bassmaster Elite Series is like the the top top tier in in the Bassmaster uh, organization. And Scott is on the Elite Series tour, but he still can go down. They still have the option of buying in and, and fishing these opens. And what the opens are is like the tier right below that. So this is where guys, professionals, are fishing to try to make it up and qualify for that Elite Series, to qualify for the Classic. He chose to fish this open because it was on his home lake in his hometown out of his father's marina. That's so how pretty, could he not? That's pretty right? sweet. Right. How could you not? Now, is this something if you had enough money, could you go, you, Brian, go do? No. You have to qualify for you okay. have to You have to qualify for the Opens. You can't just buy your way into okay. the Opens. Right. But you you can go you can go fish Bass Nations and the qualifiers and stuff like that to get into the opens. But it is a tiered stepladder thing, so uh, I don't really want to call it the minor leagues, but it's kind of like the minor leagues. Like 
they're they're professional. Like a a, a minor league baseball player is a professional baseball baseball player, but he's not in the big show yet, and that's what the Elite Series is—is is the big show. So Scott is the big show, but he's fishing down on his home lake. That does not—I mean, these guys, especially in today's world of bass fishing, like it's not really a step down in talent. Like these guys are un. Believable. It's a lot of young guys that will eventually be on the Elite Series that you'll be hearing for a lot of years. Yeah. So amazing, amazing talent pool that he's going up against. I would say he was probably the favorite going in because it is his home lake, lake. Yep. and that's Lake Okeechobee. That puts so much more pressure on you, though. When it's when people when people say those things like, "Well, he, it does. You should be yep. the best because this is where you're from." It adds more weight. To it you. does, and and you can almost get when you know a fishery really well sometimes it could kind of mess with your head. Like, I know too much. Like, I'm not going to go find these three or four areas and and know their fish. I've got 30 areas and 40 years of experience on this thing. There's so much knowledge. And sometimes that can get kind of convoluted and mess you up. But obviously, since he won, he did a very good job of of organizing that information. Well, we Um, know that he won. Yeah. Uh, How? How did he win this thing? Well, well, first I want to say this. The Opens are three-day tournaments. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in the Bassmaster, uh, you know, we, we did a podcast a few weeks ago just talking about kind of tournament bass fishing in general, talked about different formats. Bassmaster is big five. So your five largest fish by weight are what you bring into the scales to weigh. And so he's weighing in five fish each of the three days. Um, he finished with a cumulative 90 pounds and some change, and the next person was like 68 pounds and some change. So he won by a huge margin. Mm-hmm just under like 32 pounds, and with the 90 pounds, by over 7 pounds, he beat the record all time for a three-day Bassmaster tournament. Annihilated the record. Wow. So 15 fish over three days, 90 pounds. He's averaging a little over 6 pounds per fish that he brought into the scales. Have you caught that many 6-pounders in your whole life? (laughs) Nope. Just one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like that is that's hard to even put in perspective. It now it is like a Okeechobee, which is known for huge fish, and it's the Florida strain. But it isn't. It isn't like Lake Okeechobee of old, where if you got a guide trip, you're guaranteed to go down there and get a ten pounder. Um, political issues, environmental issues, a lot of things. Still a good lake, but they have a lot of things that they're battling through. Really a, un- a unique lake. Did you know? It is. Over or just under a half a million acres. It's four hundred and sixty-seven thousand one hundred and ninety-nine acres. That stresses me out. Thinking, where would I start? Yeah, <laughs> where would you start? I mean, you have your put in places, but uh, that's a lot. It's such a unique fishery, a and and Scott is actually on a. He started an organization to try to protect it. But what makes it unique is it literally they call it the Big O, and it isn't because it's called Okeechobee. If you look at the map. In Florida, you'll see a big O water, waterway on the map, and that is Lake Okeechobee. It is so massive, but it, its average depth is only 9.8 feet. Oh, that's crazy. Vegetation that's, everywhere. Yeah. Like swampy, marshy looking, and these well, guys are running their boats. These guys are used to that. I mean, you and I, we, we fish. Highland reservoirs. Yeah. So, I mean, you have... 200 feet deep. You can, right. Yeah. So... To say the average is nine feet, that makes it even harder to figure out <laughs> where to go. In the lakes we fish, there is no point at any point on these lakes that you can't see the other side. Right. This lake is 29 miles across. You cannot see from bank to bank. Wow. 
and I guess it gets really dangerous out there when it's windy. I'm sure because it's just wide open. But how unique! Like this isn't man-made; it's God-made. And you know what I mean by that is it isn't a dammed waterway. River. There's no dammed river, and nine point eight feet (laughs) for almost a half a million acres. And almost thirty miles wide, like just a really unique. Where where would you begin? And there's just vegetation everywhere. So for somebody like Scott to narrow down on this one particular thing and to catch ninety pounds is is impressive. It's a, it's, it's it a crazy achievement. Mm-hmm. It really really is. You can see just the achievement alone outside of the story of his mom is sick, his parents are aging. They were all there to watch it. It's at his dad's marina. He's already qualified for the classic. Now he doesn't have to worry about this, that this year. I mean, he had his sons, his daughters, his wife. Everybody was there, all of his friends. His dad won there in 1991, so he has these memories as a kid of helping his dad win there almost 40 years ago. Like, just yeah. really incredible, yeah. really cool. All right, Brian, so you're talking about his confidence. Um, my confidence comes in knowing the baits that I can use and I'm comfortable yeah. with. Um, do we know? Did he share? What is it that he actually used to to catch uh, the biggest weight ever? Well, that's one thing that's cool about having these guys on live is fishermen are known to tell a fib or two. So when they're fishing on live, they can maybe stretch it and throw in a little extra information. But for the most part, you really do get to see what they're doing. Well, you and I will watch with intent. Right. When they open their lids to put on a new bait, You'll see when they're hiding them, they won't show the camera what it is, like the package. And that's when you really start watching, waiting for him to mess up. Like, what is this? Yeah. Did he have a, does he have a prototype out? What's he got? When they're exactly. trying to hide it, you can tell. But Scott, what he was doing, uh, he had found these areas where the cattails have, like, died out. And basically, they, they die out, and these cattail stalks create basically a brush pile underwater. And so he was finding these in, like, three and a half to five and a half feet of water in these big bass these big sow bass were basically getting this pre-spawn cover and these cattail brush piles underneath the water so you couldn't really visibly see them he was finding them with his panoptics he was panning around so he wasn't finding fish necessarily but he was finding that area that had the cover where he knew these big fish were and then he said he was cycling through three baits chatterbait um and then he was using a a wacky wacky rig worm Mm -hmm. and then he was also flipping Sometimes uh, just a straight tail worm, a Texas rigged worm, or a creature, some kind of creature bait, which for him, I think, is uh, he's sponsored by Guggen, so whatever. I don't use Guggen, so I don't know what the name is, but Guggen's like creature bait. He was Texas rigged flipping in that, and so just really casting towards a target, shallow target, being really methodical and slow. But what was unique about what he said was that he was talking about how he was still, he wasn't being able to see the fish on the piles, but he knew the piles were there. He could see what the live scope, where his bait was presenting in those piles. And then he was starting to connect like, okay, it's on the backside or it's over here. And he's really seeing like my bait needs to enter two hops behind. And you're just putting all these really small details together. And that's what it takes to do something as historic as 90 pounds in three days. Well, and that's why I, if if I had the opportunity to go back and get better, it would be that that skill of first casting Um, because you were talking about the baits he was using. Those baits are designed to be weedless. So you're going to be able to flip them in um, to those brush piles. Uh, So being able to do that is key, but especially if you watch how these guys are flipping up in the bush, you know, a lot of times you and I, well, I'll speak for myself. A lot of times I will, you can throw me in there. (laughs) I will throw short. I'll just hit the edge of it, maybe 15, 20 times. But for some reason I just hesitate to, 
because I can't yeah. just get it right in there in that, that And by then, part. you've probably spooked the fish where well, that yeah. really well-presented, deep-into-the-cover right. cast right. may have gotten you bit. And, and casting is, yeah, it, really good casters do get more bites. I, I right. definitely believe that. Agreed. I felt like if it's... I'm not going to call myself a great caster, but I feel like as I've gotten gotten better at casting over the years, that I, I do get more bites fishing those those cover situations. Uh, the other tournament that was going on, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour. I mentioned I, I watched it and flipped off of it. Um, you know, it went another day, and I did watch some of the final day uh, while my sons were napping. Dustin Connell won, which congratulations, Dustin Connell. Fun fact: I've actually I have met Dustin Connell. Um, he came to where I worked one day and just walked up to me. Uh, I was a manager there, so he probably picked me out. And yep. uh, he, he walked up and asked me a few questions. And I said, are you Dustin Connell? Um, and he had his buddy, Jacob Wheeler's cameraman with him. And his cameraman said, you would pick out the one dude that works here that knows who you are. <laughs> but you, it, actually, you probably were the only one. I probably was on, the only on one. On property. And, and yeah. he picked me out. He had yep. he had the knack for that uh, extra attention, I guess it is. But <laughs> this is back, how was it, three or four years ago, Bass Pro Tour fished Table Rock Lake twice in the same year. Um, and this was the first time they were there. And he was, at the time, his now wife, he was dating her and he wanted to get engaged. So he was asking me, Hey, this would be a really cool place to propose to my wife. Can you can you show me some options? What would that look like here? So I took him around the the place we work, spent a little time with him, got to know him a little bit. Something interesting that he said to me during that time was um, where we were. There was a lot of rainbow trout. He said, "I have never caught a rainbow trout," and I, I was kind of hard to believe. He's from Alabama, so I guess they don't have a lot of rainbow trout there. But he had never caught one, and I'm thinking, well. They're pretty easy to catch. Yes. Like the way you catch bass, I'd I'd hate to be a trout. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but got to spend a little time with him, know him a little bit. So watching him, seeing him win and have the success he's having, really cool. He with this win on Toledo Bend was the lake they're fishing. He is now second all time in major league fishing wins behind only Jacob Wheeler. So Jacob mm-hmm. Wheeler now has six. Uh Dustin Connell has five and Ott Defoe is in third with with four wins. So that I mean those three names right there. Oh, those top three. I mean they are the top three. That's, <laughs> they are the yeah. top three for a reason. They're really good. But yeah. this this win did put him ahead of Ott. Toledo Bend's another huge fishery. I mean it, it nowhere near Okeechobee, but it's a hundred and eighty five thousand acres. It really is. I'm gonna say it's on the border, but it is like the border of Louisiana and Texas. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the border goes through the lake. You it is. I mean half. I've I've fished on that water. You've been there. Yeah. I have. Yeah. And. Uh, I don't know, or 10 plus years ago when I was down there. But during that time, uh, it was cheaper to buy your out-of-state fishing license um, on the Texas side. So uh, it's basically, it was like a bridge. If I remember correctly, it was like the bridge was kind of like the line per se. And so we we traveled into the Texas side to purchase our three-day fishing license. Yeah. And then uh, we actually came back over and put in um, uh, on the other side. So What do you remember about fishing it? I just remember the stumps. like. Yeah. Stumpy. I, I was so thankful that um, it was actually my best friend's uncle. Um, he had had an RV down there and was spending, I mean, weeks and weeks down there. And and uh, he he had found some some good places to fish. Uh, but the Did you catch some bass <laughs> while you were there? I mean, we caught some bass, yeah. but n- no big ones. Uh, I've caught bigger on Tabor Rock. Did you was... catch a hundred and twelve pounds worth of them? No, absolutely <laughs> not. And that was. That was what was crazy because where we were fishing, there were so many. I mean, there, there's uh, 
I forgot the name of it, but there's lanes, travel there lanes. There are boat lanes. Uh, yeah. Boat lanes, thank boat you. Lane. There's boat lanes that you have to stay in um, when you're up on plane like that. Yeah. And um, that's when I learned there are crazier places than Tabor Rock to go into. And, and uh, you know, when we were on Tabor Rock, we run up the rivers and you get familiar with those trees that are there. Um, even if it floods, you still kind of know where they're at. Whereas on here, there's so many that you, I mean, you have to stay in those lanes or you will damage your, your, your boat. I was going to say, or you can be like me and hit the one that you can't see that's never been there before and rip your transom <laughs> the and roll off. I mean, <laughs> you have done you that. You that guy. You have done that. Yes. <laughs> oh, we're all, everybody was safe and the boat's yeah. aluminum, so we welded it back got it, together. Got it going it's, again. It's, it's going again. But anyway, MLF is a little different than Bassmaster we just talked about because it is the every fish counts format. The only restriction is it has to be at least two pounds. So if it is two pounds, zero ounces and up, you can weigh it. You're going to catch as many as you can in the time allotted. And the person at the end of the day, whether it's 20, 30, 40 fish, whoever has the most cumulative weight is the winner. Um, And the final day is just the top 10. It starts with 80. And then by the final day, it's narrowed down to the top 10. And there are some huge names in it, some new names in it. But Mm -hmm. of course, had some of the big names, Dustin Connell, Jacob Wheeler, uh, I think Matt Becker was in it, you know, some of the, who was the AOI last year. So s- some really big names in it, didn't really know who was going to, to take off, but Dustin Connell really throughout the whole day um, was holding a small lead. And then, man, it got to what they call the third period. They take breaks between the first, second, third period. Uh, he really just hammered down and got in an area and he was live scoping, which is the live sonar. So he, I mean, he is on that pedal all the time and that that head of that trolling motor is just spinning so you can just tell he is panning 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 you can tell when he sees one he slows down and he casts he's almost exclusively using spinning tackle he said 12 pound fluorocarbon leader on a spinning rod and reel and he was using uh well basically it's a demiki rid but he's with he's with crush city rapala crush city now and i think they call it the oh daggummit you remember what it's called well what i'm thinking you said rapala yeah. Right. Because I've always called it Rapala. Rapala yeah. <laughs> so it's it's one to of those like which is the one. correct way. Um, but the uh, not Demiki, but it's I think uh, it is. I think you're. I think you're right though. It is Rapala. Is like, it okay? I really don't know. Yeah. To be honest with you, I could have been saying it wrong this whole time. Um, but anyway, they're they're using forward facing and and yeah. chasing them basically. It's basically a jig head and a little tiny soft plastic minnow, and they are throwing this thing out to a fish that they're seeing. And what was interesting was they gave us the opportunity where they actually connected his forward-facing unit to the to the broadcast, and you could see what he was seeing. And he was letting his bait go down to these fish. And, I mean, if they didn't react, he pulled it up, and he either gave it to that same fish again or to a different fish. And you could tell sometimes he presented this bait over and over and over again just for a split second. If they didn't react... He pulled it out of there. He wasn't sitting there letting that thing soak. Um, but he finished with 112 pounds on the day, uh, a 44-pound victory. Second place was 44 pounds behind him. So he, I mean, he annihilated. He put the smack down. He said at the end of the day on the broadcast, can I fish another hour? Like, you're having a day like this? He even said, this is one of the best days of fishing that I've that I've ever had. Well, we even watched uh, his practice. And, yep. again, he didn't know he was going to win, hadn't even got in the tournament yet. But his, during his practice, he was talking about, it was the best practice he's ever had. Yeah. 
I haven't had that kind of day where I'm like, man, I'm so confident that I know exactly what I'm going to do. Yep. That feels so good. Yep. Um, so, so good. I, I do want to add it on the MLF side, though. Uh, what makes it fun for us, the, the person that's really receiving and watching all of this, is that you can, before the tournament starts, um, it's uh, – Oh, I just lost the name. Help me with it. It's you can sign up. Oh, fantasy fish. Fantasy fish. Yes, yeah. and so you can um, really pick the guys that you think's going to win it. Yeah. Um, there's prizes afterwards after it's all said and done. But it is it is fun for me to now that they're adding that in. That's a new thing. Way um, for you to play along. Play along. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought and Bassmaster has that too. I have not seen it or signed up for that. Yeah. But on the MLF side, I've been I've been doing that. I started doing that last I year. I don't know what the prize is this year, but last year we were really hoping we were going to win a boat and boat. truck. But you got to get it all right. You have to pick every angler, all ten anglers that make the final ten, and that's so difficult it because is. the bodies of water change. And well, and we were even trying because <clears throat> we were even picking different guys to try to one of us odds. win. One yeah. of us win it because we knew we'd go I together. I don't think anyway. anybody ever won, and thousands and thousands of people play. So the odds of picking that aren't very good. But it it, it is fun to play along and. It shows you as as you're going what place you're in amongst everybody that's playing. So we like to kind of have a little friendly yeah. office competition yeah, of what place are you in? You know, you got like up to like sixth place at one point last year or something. You had a really good I last year. That was. Yeah, last I can't remember either, but we didn't get a boat. <laughs> no, so who cares? Wait, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, did you watch any of the coverage? The the MLF coverage of the of this tournament from any of the days? Just when we were together. You and I watched a little mm-hmm. bit of it. On this final day, watching the top ten, they were all doing the same thing. I mean, they're all throwing some, a few guys to pick up a jerk bait and cast it every once in a while. But for the most part, everybody's throwing. I, I don't know what else to call it, but a a Demiki rig. It, it Demiki's a brand, but they're I guess kind of the ones. But it is literally just a jig head with a small hook and a soft plastic minnow. Not a whole lot to it. Usually yep. shad colored. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're all just out there in the middle of the lake. Scan and scan and scan and see a fish, throw it in, try to get it to buy. They're all doing the same thing, and it, it it is fun to watch guys catch fish. So if they are catching fish, it is fun. But man, it can be tough to watch just the their backs. Um, the good guys, what I say, good. <laughs> I think they're probably all they're fine all guys. Good. They're all good. Uh, they're all amazing fishermen. But the guys that are really good at the entertainment side. What they do well is even though their back is turned, and you pointed this out, I think it was about Drew Gill, who's a rookie, had an awesome tournament. He was talking about what he was seeing and what he was doing, even though his back was turned to the camera. So just to hear his thoughts and what he was working through and what he was looking at, even though his back was to the camera, that helped for me let it be a little more entertaining. Because guys like me, you and me, we turn it on to learn. Yeah. A lot of guys do. A lot of guys are so passionate about fishing and yep. working every day to get better at it. Um, so having those guys that, that are speaking what they're doing and they're not afraid to share that. Also, because, good. because it's live, I love watching when it cuts to the, the different boats and the different anglers. Um, but really the boats and you can see the, like what's in their boat. I really like analyzing like, well, this guy is leading and he only has two fishing poles on the deck. Mm-hmm. And then you got like the guys that are like down, I don't know, down to whatever place, 20th place. And they've got like a fleet, <laughs> they've got like 20 fishing rods all sitting out on the on the yeah. front of their boat and I'm like which would I be? <laughs> I'd probably be with the guy that's got everything pulled out trying to figure it out. And so it's it's awesome to see when those guys really that fine tune in. I mean they always have multiple rods out, but you can see a difference in the ones that that have kind of keyed in they, on what they're to keyed use. keyed in and yeah. confident on what they're doing. They're not going to stray from it too much. Mm-hmm. There was another tournament and Ben, I don't even know if you know this. 
There is another professional tournament league, tour, whatever you want to call it. It's called the National Professional Fishing League, and they are they're catching some steam in their sails. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is they are getting some names that you know. Um, is Slick Johnson that guy? Is he? he in I don't this? think he fishes because I've been watching him. He's been talking a lot about this. Yeah, the this National tournament. Professional Fishing League. But you've got guys like that are their former winners on the Elite Series uh, and, and MLF Invitationals. You got Wes Logan, Kyle Welcher, who was AOI last year. Some of these bigger names are coming over that, and the competition is really, really there. They're handing out hundred thousand dollar checks for the winners, just like these other leagues are. They are putting live coverage out with big names. Uh, Luke Duncan, who's a former professional fisherman, and and he has a big podcast now. He's announcing it. So they are doing a really, really good job, and they are starting to catch some steam. But they also had their first tournament this weekend, and uh, a guy by the name of Will Harkins won. This was on Logan Martin, which is in Alabama. And he won. They also had a three-day tournament. He won by 4.4 pounds. Now, I want to point out, 4.4 4.4 pounds over three days is a pretty large margin of victory. But compare that to what Scott Marsh did, <laughs> yep. winning by, what I say, 32 pounds. You well, know? You're talking about with a five-fish limit. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah, yeah, NPLF is back to the right. five-fish limit. Right. I, I should have said that because, yeah, they're all, they're all different. But what is different about what Will Harkins was doing is more your traditional bank-style fishing. He was throwing a jig and a 1.5 uh, crankbait, so a, a shallow square bill crankbait. And he was going, he had picked up a pattern on a certain kind of bank, and he was going to those banks and, and catching fish, um, but not 90 pounds. I think he won with like just under 50 pounds, but 4.4 pound victory is still a pretty big victory. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. I mean, I, again, <laughs> we're not professional here, but to just go out to catch a five to beat that, yeah. or, to, or to bring. It'd even be more than that, probably, depending on how what five you already have in your boat. But right. that would be really tough to to go out and catch one big um, to beat him. So, all right, I got a kind of a final question for you. Uh oh. And I left this off your outline, so Uh-oh. you have no idea this is coming. But I want you to answer it before we wrap up here. You got it. We're seeing these large victories. We're seeing Dustin Connell win by forty four pounds. We're seeing Scott win by thirty two pounds, making history. I mean, he literally set the record. For a three-day Bassmaster tournament, do you think there's something behind this record-setting? Do you think there's something behind these large margin of victories? Everybody's got the same stuff. What's going on here? Do you, you have any any idea, speculation, theory? I would like to analyze the fisheries. Looking at they're all three very very different fisheries. The, the ones we just talked about are none of them are really similar at all. They are. You know if. If you and I were to go um, just do a little a little fun fishing trip and we went and hit some of these little lakes that just don't hardly get fished. Um, we're going to hook up the boat and go for a road trip fishing? Plus we need to. Oh we really, really need gosh, to. Gosh, that sounds, we need to. that sounds so fun. I caught my first bass of the year, but it wasn't a keeper technically. So well, I, would I got love to a go. daggum catfish. So let's <laughs> <laughs> but like going to some of those fisheries uh, that don't get hit hard, um, I would love to to see the size. So like we have a we have a lake called uh Tanicomo, Lake Tanicomo. And the rumor, the it's yeah. always been like rumored that it's been a rumor for like thirty years. It's been like thirty Maybe years, more. but like yeah. the largest bass or the state record will come There's out of the next state record. The next state record. Tanicomo, yeah. You know, but we But it hasn't. We we really fish it. Yeah. And well, for trout. 
Well, correct for trout. Yeah. But I'm saying like if you had a, a an all out tournament on it, um, could you break some of those records? Could you find some of those fish because they're not pressured? They're they're healthy. Blah blah blah. Right. But you know, I think some of these guys, when you look at the majority of what we do as humans, there's somebody within every group that has. I'm going to say it's it's given from God, but God has the it. vision, has the understanding of where they're at and, and what it's going to take. And then it feels like the rest of the pack, they are good in their own right and, the, and they do their own studying, but they feed off of those people. So we'll, we'll just use Jacob Wheeler for an example. When, when people, when other anglers are out fishing and they hear that Jacob Wheeler is catching crazy amount of fish. Yeah. Most of them know that he's going to be out. He's not going to be up on the yeah. bank, right? But then here comes Art Defoe, and Art Defoe starts catching, and his weight limits are starting to come up. Yeah. And that's telling everybody else in that pack that, oh, well, he he's usually going to be fishing on the bank, and that's where he's catching them. And so if you're that person that has that vision, has that understanding, I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say is that's where it comes from, Uh he wasn't listening to anyone else. He wasn't wondering, you know, he isn't saying, well, I know that they're out there catching them today. I need to, too. He he had the plan. He figured it out, and he stuck with it. And I think that's really what needs to be said there is is go with your gut. Like like when you feel it and you know it and you practice it, go do it. But Don't try to be like. But it sounds like you're saying more than your gut. Go with your gut's kind of the secular <laughs> yeah yeah it yeah. sounds like you're saying like most of the time this is probably divine divine appointment yep. and these guys almost have like this holy spirit well, feeling and understanding of what they're going to do so trust it when you get it yeah and and today i'm not wanting to get into that flow but you will hear professional people and from basketball players nfl uh fishing that they have their days that's just it's, it's this flow that like you you can't make a mistake yeah Everything goes right. It feels right. Yeah. It is in sync. Like it feels so good, and I do truly believe that that there's def- there's it's divine. Like you talked about casting earlier. There are days where I feel like it, it's all I, it's all there, and there are there. days I'm like I can't make that cast. I've made that cast before, but today I can't make it to save my life. Right, and I. There's just something about as we as we grow in Christ, we talk about that helps us to be healthier and healthier and healthier. And I do believe that as humans, when we're healthy, it's an emulation of Jesus. Like, we're only healthy because of Jesus. Like, period. So yeah. it's coming from somewhere, you know, and when he gives you that, um, enjoy it because it doesn't happen every day and or even within a year. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Well, Ben, thank you for talking a little bass fishing with me today. It was fun. There are more tournaments. Uh, if you want to get into some of this, watching these guys fish live, uh, Major League Fishing, uh, their other pro tour, which is the Invitationals, I believe it starts tomorrow, and there'll be some live coverage coming with that. Uh, Elite Series coming up in a couple of weeks, another MLF tournament coming up. All the big tournaments are going to be live here in the next months for really until the off season, which comes down to like uh, August, September. So if you want to get in, watch some of these guys, what they're doing. If you're interested in fishing, please give it give it a try because, uh, Ben, you and I could, honestly, we could waste a, a lot of hours in a day watching. It's just fun to watch these guys. They're so good at what they do, be professionals. 
and uh, I, I think if you like fishing that you will enjoy watching it too. Thank you so much for watching the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast on YouTube. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, go ahead and do that. Share with a friend so we can help grow this channel. If you are a listener, whatever podcast platform you are listening on, please hit the automatic download and subscribe button. Leave us a review, five star, four star, whatever you think. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. We are so thankful for all the support, even if it is just clicking a few stars on a line. We're going to be back next week with a brand new episode. We hope that between now and that time, you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.